0: Let's open our Bibles again to the book of Nehemiah and remind ourselves of that wonderful statement that Nehemiah and Ezra spoke to the congregation gathered there after the wonderful preaching service. Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll just read the 10th verse this time. Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. I have shown you and helped you to consider first that the Lord is joyful himself. God is happy, independently, and infinitely happy in and of himself. And the Lord Jesus Christ was happy while on earth in serving that God and is full of happiness and joy, enjoying pleasures forevermore at God's right hand at this hour. Second of all, I showed you that true joy comes from knowing and walking with God himself. When we, specially created beings, are able to walk with God and to know him and to delight in his perfections, is the second kind of the joy of the Lord. And it's the joy that is described here in this last clause of verse 10, Nehemiah 8. The Lord had come and met with them this day. They had sought Him. He had had His word for them and His word declared by men He had chosen. And they had responded by His blessing. And altogether, it was a wonderful day in the Lord, holy in His sight... And they weren't to grieve or mourn or weep. They were to celebrate and be joyful. And so they did by making great mirth, the 12th verse tells us. And the reason for the mirth is because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And that's a wonderful blessing. We looked at Habakkuk chapter 3, where it says that though we might be facing economic trouble or financial ruin, the Lord can yet be our strength and our joy. He can yet give us light feet like a hind's feet. And He'll he'll once again restore us to our high places if we put our trust in Him. Right. David said the Lord was his exceeding joy. And we just sang basically those same words in the Lord, our great Redeemer. And we want to remember those things. that That second aspect of the joy of the Lord is our joy in knowing Him. Our joy in walking with Him our joy in finding out more about Him from His Word, our joy in having fellowship with Him by the Holy Spirit of God so that there is a communion and a relationship and pleasure being exchanged in the companionship and friendship of God with His people, which He'll do on a one-by-one basis for those who seek it. We have to take the time and remove the impediments in our lives to call meditation on the things of God. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 46 and 10, a text that I closed with, the first service, Be still and know that I am God. Our lives are too busy and too noisy for meditation, and meditation will make the heart greater and restore that joy that can be lost. And we can benefit by being around others who will speak to us a good word in season about the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of God and His greatness and make their boast in the Lord. And we as the humble should hear thereof and be glad. A third way in which the joy of the Lord should have meaning for us is that joy is commanded in our Lord's kingdom. Not only is God joyful, and not only is there joy in knowing Him, and that we can glory and delight in an infinitely perfect being who has chosen to adopt us and relate to us and will spend eternity with us because He wants to show us the as much of the infinite measures of His goodness as He's able. And so we'll be enjoying that all eternity. The third aspect I want us to consider for just a few moments is the commandment of joy in God's kingdom. Happiness is not an option. If right now you're not happy, you're sinning, and you will give an account of it one day to the God of glory who expects and demands us to be happy. And there will be no one there to protect you. And you will have no excuses in that day if you are not happy because happiness is a choice. Your life circumstances are worthless and irrelevant to the statement. God is still in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is still our Savior. Heaven is still our certain final resting place. It doesn't matter about the rest of your circumstances. Choose to be happy. Get happy right now. Just like these people were told. They were ordered. Stop grieving. Stop mourning. Stop weeping. And get happy. And I'm asking you to do that. On behalf of the Lord, you will give an account for this day. Because this day is holy to the Lord, and we are to be joyful. Get happy and rejoice. Kings didn't like unhappy servants in their court. In Nehemiah chapter 2, we're told about Nehemiah, who is the king's cupbearer. And this is the king of Persia, and he bore the cup one day into the king's presence and he was sad because he had just got a report about how bad the situation was in Jerusalem and the slow progress they were making in rebuilding that destroyed city after their 70-year captivity in Babylon. And so Nehemiah is sad, and the Bible tells us very clearly he was afraid and he was afraid because he was sad and he had never been sad before and Persian kings expected you to be happy in their service if being a servant to the king of Persia wasn't good enough to put a smile on your face then they would just take your head off so they wouldn't have to look at it again and we can read about that also in Esther chapter 4 and verse 2 that you were expected to come into the presence of the king happily parents can easily grasp this rule because morose children are destructive to the family And when a child is sitting at a supper table or is dragging around the house or is hiding themselves in their bedroom, you would like to do the same thing except it's against the law. You would like to take their unsmiling head off. Why aren't they thankful that they get to go to a table covered with food that they have never paid a cent for? Fixed for them and laid out before them and someone will say, well, I did the dishes once last week. Well, bless your heart. Who did the dishes for the first 15 years of your life? We we can understand it as parents. Masters and spouses also see it as evidence of disrespect or disaffection. A master wants employees that are happy and thankful that they have a job working for him. And if you want a quick, very easy way to get ahead in the job, that's to go in and thank your boss for giving you a job and that it is your pleasure to serve him. And if you were to tell him that once a month or once a week, it will do great things for you because there's no one else doing it, I promise you. The Lord expects that. Our king commanded joy in his service. Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Short verse. A repetitive verse. A perpetual verse. And yet it's important for us to hear it right now. This is a a commandment. We don't wait until we're happy. We get happy. We don't wait until we're glad. We get glad. The Lord's given us plenty to be glad about. David could say that he was his exceeding joy. Because God's presence and God's favor, even though David was far off from the tabernacle at the time he wrote Psalm 43, exceeded all the other joys in David's life. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 Rejoice in the Lord. That's a commandment. That's a duty that we have. Get happy. Be thankful and rejoice. Find it your pleasure. Delight and glory in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice at what the Lord has given you. Sometimes we're thankful for the things He gives us. But this is to rejoice in the Lord. That there is a being in the universe that is a constant of perfect righteousness, holiness, love, so forth and so on, ad infinitum. It's wonderful to know Him. Everyone else is going to disappoint you. Everyone else will fail your standard for them. The Lord is always going to exceed your standard. The Lord is always going to be there and exceed by every measure. And so we rejoice in the Lord. And it, doesn't, it doesn't say for one day today. It's rejoice in the Lord always. Always. There's always occasion to rejoice. And so Paul and Silas could do it in the innermost prison in Philippi of Macedonia. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Well, we should have got the lesson. And again I say, rejoice. Why the repetition? Did the Holy Spirit need to fill up space on a page? Or is the repetition there for our learning? Rejoice in the Lord is the commandment. We're told what to do. That's to be happy and glad and thrilled and pleased that you know the Lord. There's the prepositional phrase of what is the cause of our rejoicing. Then we're told how long we should do it, always. And then in case you missed it, it's repeated for you. And again I say, rejoice. Amen. And so again I say, to you and to me, rejoice. Amen. In the Lord, always. Rejoice. Before we can get to Philippians 4.4, 4, we have to read 3, one. Look at Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brethren, Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Rejoice in the Lord. Who in the world would want to go back like some of these Philippians were tempted to go back to the old covenant religion of Moses when they had the Lord Jesus Christ to rejoice in? Who had taken all the carnal commandments of ceremonial religion and nailed them to his cross and gave us the perfect law of liberty right we can serve him in so many wonderful ways as we're doing today rejoice in the lord is that where your happiness is moses commanded gladness he said if you don't have gladness of heart for the abundance of all things that god's given you then he's going to put a yoke of iron upon your neck until he destroys you Deuteronomy 28, 47-48. It's a commandment under the austere covenant of the Old Testament. And as has been mentioned several times today in your hearing, we of the New Covenant have more reason to rejoice than anyone under the Old Covenant. And yet they did such a wonderful job of it. They knew how to celebrate. They knew how to rejoice. And we should know how to do even better. And it is our commandment. I'm going to just run by, right past the Psalms because... If I was to give you the list of psalms that I have here, that to tell us to rejoice in the Lord because it's a commandment, we'd be here a while. But do you, are you all familiar enough Amen. that rejoice in the Lord, as has been mentioned to us, those particular words are there seven times. There's a whole lot of other commandments about being glad and being happy. Happiness and joy are a daily choice. I've mentioned one as I closed out this morning. Matthew chapter 5, 10 through 12, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. How can that be a blessing? He goes on to say, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Even though we are suffering persecution and being reviled and called names and just despised by other religious people who were once our companions in worshiping God, even though that is happening, be exceeding glad and rejoice because you're putting yourself in line with the greatest friends of God Almighty and the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostles and prophets of our Lord. Look at James chapter 1 and you know these words well enough that you can hear them and remember them. My brethren, count it all joy. Notice it's a commandment. My brethren, count it all joy when ye are blessed with abundant prosperity and loving kindness. Is that what it says in James 1-2? My brethren, count it... How much joy? Count it all joy. The Bible gives us some rules of accounting. Did you Do you remember the rules of accounting from 2 Peter chapter 3? That some men count the Lord slack because He's taking longer than they think He should take. And yet we are to account the long-suffering of our Lord as our salvation. 2 Peter 3.15. Here, we do some more counting in God's scheme of accounting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. When you have all kinds of temptations assaulting your soul and you have a, a tendency to be discouraged, you should be counting it all joy because God is doing a great work in your life by those temptations which He cannot do if He was just to bring goodness and prosperity to you. He can't make you perfect with goodness and prosperity. He can make you perfect with a little, with some trials and tribulations, some divers temptations. Knowing this, here's why we can count it all joy, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. How can God make you perfect? You gotta have some trouble. You gotta have some surgery. You gotta wait for a job. And they just keep delaying and delaying and delaying. And these little trials and tribulations that come our way are to teach us what? Patience. What is patience? Cheerfully enduring negative events is what patience is. And so we count it all joy. These are the worst things that can happen. What about the best things? It's the Lord. My point being right now, this is point number three about the joy of the Lord. It's a commandment. It's a commandment even when we're suffering tribulations and temptations. You know, when, when, when Peter was accused by a little maid at the fire at the chief priest's house when Jesus was on trial, he was terrified. What was he terrified of? That they would think that he was an accomplice with the Lord Jesus Christ or a companion of his and, and he might have to go through a trial and be punished like he saw his Lord being punished. Fifty days later, I find Peter and John whipped for preaching the gospel in Acts chapters 4 and 5. And do you know what it says they did when they left the presence of the men who had just whipped them? Yes, they were rejoicing. Why? Because they were counted Oh, there's that accounting again. Who want Do are there any CPAs in this audience that would put together an accounting book for Christians? It just struck me as a very good idea. I'm just wondering if there's anyone. An accounting book for Christians that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Isn't that wonderful? They went rejoicing. What a change in Peter. What made that change? It's a point that's coming up shortly. God the Holy Spirit made that change in Peter so that he could rejoice at suffering some pain at the hands of the Jews. Oh, it's a commandment, brethren. What what are you going to choose for your life? Now, some people love to be miserable. And you can tell the ones that love to be miserable because they're miserable all the time. And why are they miserable all the time? Because they love misery. That's why they're miserable. They've chosen that as a course of life. Sometimes it came from parents who love to be miserable. Sometimes it just comes from a bad habit. It's a wicked habit. It's a devilish habit. The Bible tells us it's wisdom from beneath. And so they're always miserable. But I wrote you this week from Proverbs chapter 15, a wonderful rule from the book of Proverbs. And it's the 15th verse. All the days of the afflicted are evil. That verse is not saying that there are some people who are afflicted every day of their lives. That verse is telling you that there are some people who choose to think about their afflictions and so their life becomes very troublesome and painful to them. All they can think about is their vehicle isn't as good as they wish they had. Their house is not as good as they wish they had. Their health is not as good as they wish they had. Their job is not as good as they wish they had and so forth and so on until they work themselves in a downward spiral into misery. And nobody likes to be around them. When we see them coming, we want to avoid them because they're so unhappy and miserable. And all they want to do is talk negatively about everything when we should be talking positively about everything, like the rest of the verse teaches us. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. By comparing the second half of the verse to the first half of the verse, we know it is not a person with daily afflictions. We know that it is a person that chooses to be afflicted by their day. And the second half is a person who has chosen to have a merry heart. And when you've got a merry heart, you have a continual feast. What we're going to do tonight for two and a half hours is so short, and yet we ought to be living in a continual feast. And when we're not, it is a choice to sin against the goodness of God. Right. I'm not talking about those times we choose to fast and put away laughter and to take on mourning because of our sins. I am talking about a general outlook on life. Proverbs fifteen fifteen. Let me read it to you again. All the days of the afflicted are evil. You know why all the bad things happen to this kind of a person? Because that's all they can see. That's all they've chosen to see. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. If you've got a merry heart, our saltines with butter, a feast. If you have a merry heart, somebody should shout out, I wish we had some visitors that we had last Sunday. I know what I got in something. And I don't need it. But it is contagious. It is exciting. Someone should shout out, who needs the butter? That's right. <laughs> if, if you have a merry heart, saltines are good enough. That's why the, the Lord gave you salivary glands to make a little moisture to get them down. Anything becomes a feast. So life can become a continual feast. How else do you explain Paul and Silas in that prison? The third time I've mentioned them today singing and praising God at midnight in Philippi. So it's a commandment. Right. How can you regain or increase that in the Lord? Confess your sin of being an afflicted one and choose to have a merry heart. Obviously, since it's a command, there needs to be a clear and full confession of breaking God's commandment to be happy. Lord, forgive us where we have let circumstances overwhelm The choice that we should make to remember you and all your goodness and be continually happy, forgive us. We should contemplate on the one that made the command and the command itself to get our attention. The God of heaven said, don't you dare come into my presence without a smile on your face and we are in his presence all the time. The strongest man in the world is the man that can rule his spirit and make this choice for joy. Whenever you let circumstances overwhelm you, you're a weak man and you're like a city with the walls broken down where any any enemy could invade that city at any time. Right. The strong man is not the one that gets upset about circumstances. The strong man is the one that overrules circumstances and chooses to be thankful, happy, joyful, and glad. Number four, wh- we have a source of strength to have joy. God's joyful, knowing God gives us joy. God's commanded us joy, and He's gonna give us help to be joyful. Oh, that's just crazy. You know how I mean? From a natural standpoint, God is joyful. He's done everything in Himself, and what He's done is everything that should make us joyful. He's commanded us to be joyful. But just in case it's a little hard for us in the flesh while we're down here in this world, He gives us the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost power to be joyful. May I turn you to my favorite verse of the last few years. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. For most of my life it was Psalm 37.4. And for the last number of years I have really enjoyed Romans 15.13. I get to use it so often in corresponding with people. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now there's things in this verse that you and I need and that can make you and I happy. And I want to show you how you get them. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost. Right. We are not holy rollers because we don't do any rolling. But we do believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Right. This is written to the church of Rome later In the forty year Reformation time of the New Testament, and we believe in this power. Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope. Don't you ever be hopeless because there's a God of hope. Right. Fill you with all joy. I love these words. Now the God of hope, fill you, not tempt you, tease you, or partially supply you, or paint you. But fill you with not just a little bit of joy, but all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost Amen. The, the Lord God our Father is able and willing and will do this he will fill you with all joy God will fill you with all joy God will fill you with all peace and with the two of them you can abound in hope you can be overflowing with hope about your life I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Those are the last couple verses of Psalm 27. The Lord is able to do this. And your part in this verse is in the two words, in believing. All you have to do is believe what the Bible says. Believe that there's a God in heaven like the Bible describes. He sent His Son like the Bible describes the Lord Jesus Christ who saved us from our sins and has purchased for us eternal redemption like the Bible describes. If you'll do a little part of believing and trusting His promises, that's not looking in your driveway or looking at the square footage of your house or anything like that. It's believing God's Word that He will fill you with all joy. He will fill you with all peace and you will abound in hope. Praise the Lord, He's given us the means to be happy and to be joyful. Turn over to Psalm four, the fourth Psalm. Thank you, Lord. Not only do you command it, but you enable us. Amen. Oh, a God of joy. What does he want in his presence? Joyful people. Happy people, because he's infinitely happy himself. This is so basic. If you were the richest man on earth and you went and adopted the poorest, ugliest person in an orphanage that you could possibly find, what would you if you made that transaction, would your intent be and this is so pitiful because it's it's human thinking and it never matches God's, but would your intent be to trouble that little person that you adopted, to cause them pain and misery, make them beg and crawl? Or would you be adopting them because you're going to pour out, yeah, you know what I mean. You're going to pour out everything they want. I mean, when there's a jingling in the subdivision, mommy doesn't say those ice cream bars are too expensive because you're going to get it for right. that person you, who, the Lord God of heaven adopted us. Amen. And he adopted us and exalted us above the angels of heaven. Though we will thank him for those creatures, our servants, he chose us to be his sons. Amen. And He's going to give us the encouragement by the presence of the Holy Spirit within us to be joyful as He is. Look at Psalm 4. I thank God when I was 19 years old that He arrested my attention with the fourth verse, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. But that's not why I'm there. I just wanted to mention it while we are here. I want the seventh verse. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased when the world gets so excited because they had a banner year with double digit increases in net income and they are able to declare a big dividend to their shareholders and they have an annual meeting to beat the band the bible says that god had put more gladness in david's heart than in that time for them has he done that for you he's able to do that for you why doesn't it happen for you because you have quenched and grieved the holy spirit of god he can burst forth into you full of joy and the joy of the lord can be your strength by the power strength power strength power of the holy ghost romans 15:13 god is able to do that the flesh leads to sin but the spirit leads to godly fruit including joy the fruit of the spirit is love joy Peace and long-suffering. How can you regain or increase this joy in the Lord, His enabling power and strength? Confess your sin and be happy. Right. Sins and worldly inputs grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Get rid of them. Spiritual inputs and feeding on Jesus Christ and His Word will bring spiritual power to be joyful from the inside out. Right. How much are you like Joshua that didn't want to leave the tabernacle? Remember? Moses went out into the congregation of the Lord, but Joshua stayed behind because he wanted to be close to the Lord. That's what you need to be doing. How are you like the two going on the road to Emmaus? That to hear the words of Christ makes your heart burn. So you feast on the things of the Lord and the Spirit of God will bless you. Number five. Our joy is caused. The joy of the Lord is promoted, enhanced, and assisted by God's creation and His providence. Look at Job 38. You're close by. Just turn back a few pages to the left. Job 38. I hope you know what this verse is talking about or or you may not get everything tonight. Job 38 and verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. When was this event when morning stars, plural, sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Well, there's a a semicolon at the end of verse 6, so let's find out when this event took place. Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? This is the creation of the foundations of the earth. And look who was celebrating. Heaven's angels were celebrating. You already learned that about the sons of God by going to Job chapter 1, when it said, when all the sons of God appeared before the Lord, who was among them? Satan was among them. These are the angels and they celebrate God's glorious creation. You know, if we turn over a few pages, we start reading about peacocks, goodly feathers. We start reading about the ostrich and its ignorance. God made it stupid for you to take pleasure in looking at that beady little head and realizing that it will lay its egg and then just stomp on it. That's what, that's what it says. That's right. But you know, you don't want to get in a race with it even if you're on a horse. It'll run you down. And it says that too. And then it says the horse is a wonderful thing. And I'm saying all this is because look at the Father that we have in heaven. He's playing with us every day of our lives. Whether you're looking at a rose or you're looking at the stars at night or you're feeling the sun kiss you on the cheeks or you're looking at beautiful white puffy cotton candy clouds floating through the sky, the blessed God of heaven has given us, created all these things, and providentially arranges them for our good. David said, when I when I consider the heavens... The work of your fingers and your hands. I have to say, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And so God causes us joy by his creation. Brother Newell has referred twice today to Acts chapter 14 where it says, to a bunch of idolaters, the apostle Paul said, God once winked at this ignorance. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has sent sun and rain and fruitful seasons filling your hearts with food and gladness as a witness of His goodness. Amen. And that goodness ought to cause us to be incredibly thankful. I have been encouraged by finding out that a person in this assembly and a person in New Zealand and a person in Michigan have recently gone through all the sermons on Ecclesiastes again. You know, that that's a lot of sermons is what I'm trying to say. But for them to go through them again and receive the blessing another time of all that the Lord showed us in the lessons of wisdom from that book God created and God providentially arranges your life to stir up your joy look at at Ecclesiastes 9 Ecclesiastes 9 the Lord knows we're going to die you know the Lord told Adam that he was going to die the day that he ate the fruit thereof and he did die spiritually that day but how many more years did he live? nine hundred and thirty. Did he still have a lot of fun? Even as a wicked man. Right. We get the best of all worlds. It is it is hardly fair because it's not fair. It's flat out grace Amen. and mercy. God knows we're gonna die. And the book of Ecclesiastes is constantly telling you that that a that a living dog is better than a bed than a dead lion. That's in verse four of Ecclesiastes nine. To him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. And as long as you're alive, there's hope for something good. I'll, you know, even I could fix you something that you would think is good if you're a living dog. But now look at this. Knowing that we're going to die, here's how the Lord speaks to us. I can't go back and preach the book of Ecclesiastes, though I'm tempted. Go thy way. Wow, those are the words that Nehemiah and Ezra said to the children of Israel in Nehemiah chapter 8. This is Solomon saying the same thing. Go have fun. Go thy way, and eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he giveth thee under the sun, all the days of thy vanity. For that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. The Lord knows we're going to die, so He says, enjoy it while you're alive. And we have heaven after that. Right. In light of death, God mentions bread, wine, white garments, ointment, wives, and work. Here in one passage, get it, those things are precious. You know, we already had a thanksgiving, and you might have been thinking it strange while you were hearing its words about being thankful for the things that we have produced and done in, in labor in our lives. But there's a time coming when you won't get to do that in these physical bodies. And so the Lord wants us to do it, and He stirs us up by enjoying these things. This is our portion in this life under the sun, these things. And so tonight we're going to enjoy some bread. We're going to enjoy some other things here. We're going to wear garments that you're comfortable with. Live joyfully with the wife. Whom thou lovest. You know, what else can you add? Are you thankful for sunshine? God's wonders in creation. The seasons that he gives us. The taste buds that allow us to taste all the different variations in the food that we eat. Right. Sleep. Isn't sleep wonderful? You can go to bed crushed, just destroyed trash and get up in the morning and say, I remember that. I feel great today. Right. I'm going for it. Show me a, show me the mountain. You know, when the night before the mountain was on top of you. And you're saying to yourself, anyway, sleep is wonderful. Friends, children, success, wisdom, 600-count sheets. Yeah, I always get that in, brethren. It took me f- 30 years to learn it. Travel, the zoo. Don't you like going to the 600-count sheets? Oh, they feel good on skin. And, and you know when they feel good, on, what do you tell the Lord? Thank you. Now, I talk to them. Right. I talk a lot at night. My wife doesn't even hear me. Not all the time. Some of the time. I just tell them. Incredible. Incredible. That smooth feeling against skin is just a wonderful blessing. And I hope that we're thankful for everything. The ocean, standing next to an ocean. The deliverances that he's given us. The answers to our dilemmas. Oh, the Lord is good. Solomon taught repeatedly in this book of philosophy called Ecclesiastes that God delights in our pleasure. Heathen gods want your sons. Now how's that pleasant? You need to sacrifice your son, Micaiah Caleb, in order to make Molech happy. But our God gave His son Amen. to make us happy. Is that an incredible turn of events? Yes. Wow. They want your drink offerings and your meat offerings. Our God tells us to eat our drink offerings and our meat offerings. Our peace offerings were to be eaten by ourselves. And rejoice there before the Lord, eating whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Deuteronomy 14.26 For wine, for strong drink, for, for lamb, for oxen. Filet mignon, rack of lamb. Enjoy it. I preached all that. The Lord does this. The Lord told the rich through Paul, charge them that are rich in this world that they trust not in uncertain riches but in the living God who... Giveth us richly all things to enjoy. enjoy. Now that's about as antithetical to socialism and communism as you can possibly get. But that's what the Lord God of heaven tells the rich. You know, he then goes on and tells them after not trusting in uncertain riches to be willing to distribute and ready to communicate. But, he told them it's the living God that you should be trusting in. He's the one that gave you the means, and it's not wrong for you to use the means to richly enjoy all things. And we're going to enjoy some rich things tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. How can you regain or increase this joy in the Lord? Confess your sin and be happy. Right. We plan, prepare, and participate in feasts like we're going to do tonight, just as he commanded us to fear him. This is what our God calls fearing Him. I like a father like that. Oh, you gotta go, you gotta go read it. It's Deuteronomy chapter 12 and it's Deuteronomy chapter 14. This is how you fear Him. Because fear with our God is not a painful thing, it's a wonderful thing. Right. This is how we reverence Him, is that we celebrate in His name. We thank Him for giving it to us. We thank Him for eating before, being able to eat before Him in His sight. We thank Him for giving us such a commandment to do. We just go on and on. And that this is nothing compared to the feast that He's prepared for us in heaven. Right. And He does call it a feast and a supper. Right? You must slow life enough to taste and see that the Lord is good in so many ways. All these little things He brings into your lives. You know, when, when some of you are sitting around bubbling away in a hot tub... You ought to think about your great-grandparents and what they had to do to even get water into the house, let alone to get it all heated at the same time and let alone to have it at the right temperature and let alone to have little bubbles blowing on you. I, I now we could go. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing out anyone yet. How about another one? Our joy by obeying the Lord's commandments. Do you know what? When you obey the Lord's commandments, it's the happiest life you can possibly have. 1 John 5, 3 says, His commandments are not grievous. God's commandments are not grievous. If you would just do them, you would find them the most satisfying, fulfilling, and joy-generating commandments possible. It is the right way to live. Consider any of His commandments. From quarantining leprosy. If you lived in Israel, would you want leprosy quarantined? Thank you, Heavenly Father. Would you want corporal child training? Do you think that's a decent idea? Corporal child training, yes, it works. From dowries to waste removal, from marital duties to a work ethic, the Bible is so wonderful. And if we would keep His commandments, it causes joy. So the joy of the Lord is caused by keeping His commandments. Not the commandment to be joyful, but all the other commandments because they lead to joy. They tell us how to have a happy marriage. They tell us how to have happy children. This was so true of Moses' law that Moses told Israel, all the nations of the earth are going to envy you for the wisdom of your laws. Right. Solomon's inspired wisdom tells us this. You're close by. It's Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 says this about wisdom. This is God's wisdom. This is the wisdom God conveyed through His Word. Verse 13, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. What is wisdom? It's the power of right judgment. It's what's taught in the Bible about what to do in any given situation. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. When you know what to do, and you know it's the right thing, it's happiness. Verse 18, She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. I want a tree of life. Ponce de Leon looked for a fountain of life. I want a tree of life because that's real and his was the figment of his imagination. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is every one that retaineth her. If you learn wisdom and then practice it and keep it and keep doing it, you're going to be happy. Why? Because God's commandments lead to happiness. Listen, the world's trying all sorts of things. The statistic I read yesterday that all the children, of all the children born to anyone under the age of 30 in the United States of America, children born out of wedlock now exceed children born in wedlock. 53% of all babies born in this country to women less than 30 years of age are born to unmarried women. You know, it used to be a great stigma just a couple generations ago for a child to be born without two parents married together, and now it's fifty-three percent aren't born with parents even married. And do you know, even the world will go right on in that same article and tell us that all their findings show that such children grow up dysfunctional and losers. Right. All of that is to say, God brought Adam and Eve together; they got married. Then they had Cain, Abel, and Seth, and so forth. Right. Because God's commandments are so wonderful. You know the Bible says, "He that will love life and see good days." Wow. He that will love life and see good days is that an offer in the Bible? Yep. Yeah. Psalm 34 and 1 Peter chapter 3. He that will love life and see good days, and then it goes on and tells you what to do. Stop using your mouth to say anything negative, critical, wrong, or sinful. And it goes on to describe just a couple of little things, and you 're going to love life and see good days because god 's commandments are not grievous they 're wonderful. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. put it on you 'll find rest for your soul. Amen. You put on the world 's yoke, it is going to take you to the grave, and you 're going to be it 's going to be vanity and vexation of spirit all the way there. The joy of the Lord is your strength. this sixth way is keeping his commandments. Do you know one of his commandments is to get outside yourself and love others. When when you're troubled about your life, just get outside yourself. You're being too selfish. Go do something for someone. It'll change your perspective on your life. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's one of the commandments of the Bible. If you'll do it, you'll find that there's real blessing in it. Totally opposite the foolish song that was popularized by a woman that died this week, The Greatest Love of All. The greatest love is our love for God, and then our love for our neighbor. Look at Proverbs 14, He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor... Anyone know the verse? Happy is he. Someone said it, yes. Happy is he. Proverbs 14, He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. If you look down on your neighbor, you neglect them, despise them, hurt them, cut them off, you're sinning. Because you're supposed to love your neighbor because that's the second commandment. And your neighbor can be in here. Your neighbor can be out there. Your neighbor can be family. Your neighbor can be someone in your subdivision. Your neighbor can be somebody you work with. Your neighbor can be your spouse. But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he? How does that work? Mercy means he doesn't deserve it, but I'm going to go give it to him anyway. And I get blessed? Yup. Forgive me, but that's the Christian religion. And I love it. And it's joy. It's rule number six. Or it's way number six about knowing about the joy of the Lord. Number seven, the joy of the Lord. It's the joy that's waiting for us in heaven. That I just spent ten sermons preaching to you indirectly by preaching against preterism. But if you were listening carefully, and I I appreciate those of you who've told me you enjoyed the positive aspects that came out of the things that are yet in store for us. The joy that is set before us. We are to look unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and despised the shame. We can endure and despise by knowing that there is joy set before us. It is undefiled. It fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for us. It is an eternal inheritance. It is being with God forever. It is being a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ of all that God has to give in His estate. It is a pretty big estate. It would take earth's attorneys eternity to try to make a right accounting of it because it's infinite and it's going to be given to us. We're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to judge angels. The fallen angels are going to be judged by you and me with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to ride on white horses behind Him whose name is called the Word of God on His white horse. We are going to be glorified. Our bodies, our vile bodies are going to be changed into the glorious image of His own body. We're going to have new heavens and a new earth to dwell in. We're going to be traveling all over the place, brethren. And you are not going to have to wait or be patted down by TSA. Sorry that you don't know what that is. We are so blessed, and that is yet to come before us. So it's the seventh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It gave the Lord Jesus Christ strength knowing what was coming to go to the cross. It should give us strength no matter what comes our way because of what is coming for us. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Jesus Christ is going to present us to the Father with exceeding great joy on our parts. We're going to be so joyful in that day as we are presented to God and accepted by Him through our beloved. How can you regain or increase this joy in the Lord? Confess your sin and be happy. Right. I've said that seven times now for all seven aspects of the joy of the Lord. You know, we read and we meditate and we comfort one another with the future. First Thessalonians 4.18 Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We're supposed to talk about these things. Just think what it's going to be like, Brethren, you know, we're getting older, we're getting weaker every day, every week, every year, and yet all of a sudden there's gonna be a big change, and we're gonna be stronger, we're gonna be glorious, we're gonna be spiritual bodies, and we're gonna be able to dwell and, and inhabit the kingdom of heaven forever. These are the things ahead of us. We set our affection above, for we know our lives are hid with Christ in God, and we are dead. Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses. We're dead! We're dead! How are we dead? That is not talking about us being dead in trespasses and sins. That is talking about a practical perspective on life that as far as this world is concerned, we are dead. Our future, our life, our livelihood, our vitality, our pleasure, our joy is not in this world, but it is all hid with Christ in God. Our life is hid with Christ in God, and when He shall appear, we shall be glorified like He is glorious. This is all in Colossians chapter 3. And we all said that we believed that when we were baptized. That's why it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, set your affection on things above. And we are risen with Christ in the doctrine of baptism. Oh, brethren, this is the joy of the Lord, and it's your strength. And today we want it to be our strength. We've looked at seven different ways in which the joy of the Lord is taught in the Bible. We have great things waiting for us. Amen. The Lord delivered His people and us from worse than Babylon. And in light of His favor, we should continue asking grace and go forth with precious seed expecting an eventual harvest. I, I, this is all in Psalm 126. They came back from Babylon, and yet everything wasn't complete. And they prayed for God to turn their captivity holy so that they could be restored as a great nation. And then it said, He that goeth forth bearing precious seed. The preciousness of the seed is they didn't have very much. You know, when you're coming out of captivity, you might be able to only buy a little bit of seed because you haven't just had a harvest where you ate half and, ate half and kept half for the next year. So you're bearing precious seed, but you go forth trusting the Lord and you cast your precious seed, you will come again. Bearing sheaves, that means armfuls of produce, and doing what? What's the rejoicing? Right. Rejoicing. He that goeth forth bearing precious seed and is trusting the Lord will come again, rejoicing. Today's a day to rejoice. The Lord's been good to us in so many ways. If I have dulled your joy, I'm sorry. The Lord should be the strength of your joy. Put your joy in Him. Let Him be your exceeding joy. And tonight, let's just come together and rejoice in Him. Our great God delights in us celebrating, making mirth, and enjoying the good things that He's given. And it's qualified by the fact that it's purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're doing it to His glory. We're doing it because the Bible tells us to do it. We're doing it of hearts set free by His grace through the Spirit of the living God we're doing it to encourage one another right. as our companions in the house of the Lord. When we assemble tonight, though in a different place, it's as much the house of the Lord as this place is. Right. Because we're coming together as a body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. May the Lord bless all that's done this day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.